Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. straight live i didn't even have to click go live on youtube either that's a first there you go there you go we nailed it show me potato salad all right we're live sick. we're doing sick q a episode today we put out a prompt um yesterday on instagram for people to put in questions or whatever we got a handful of good ones so i don't know how many we'll get to but we can kind of just pick and choose and see where conversation goes. But this was, I like doing these just cause they, like I said uh, the other day, give us a good, a good insight into what, you know, we assume people want to hear a bunch. And a lot of it is not just because we want people to hear certain things, but we work out a lot of stuff just amongst ourselves. Sure. You sure. know, and, but it is fun to hear, like, you know, get input on some directional areas of conversation to kind of take things sometimes it's totally different totally different directions than what we think and so that can be a, a fun way to go about it too so we have a few um i got texted a handful as well that weren't just via ig so um if you want to kick it off with one of the ones you got you got a few more than i did we can just kind of alternate and go all right all right um, between. um so so I'll, we'll just start with an easy one, okay? Um, and, and thank yeah. everyone that took the time to actually ask a question. Yeah. It's very, very cool. It's very helpful. Like Ross said, it, you know, I don't want to sit here and talk about shit that only he and I care about. I mean, that, that solves <laughs> right. a lot of the equation. But if this is going to be a podcast for public consumption, it's cool to know what people are wanting to hear. So for sure. we talked about some music stuff, and we talked about some of our passions of music. And I thought this was an easy, straightforward question for you. Mm. It says... I would like to ask Ross who he would rather get a guitar lesson from, uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan or Eddie Van Halen. And I'm assuming it's under the same terms that it was offered to me for a different equation, but I'll let you yeah. answer that first before I give the, the question to me. Okay. 
SRV or Eddy? One month of training, one-on-one. One month. I will go. This is like, there's no right answer for right. this. So it's just in this moment, I'm going to say Ed. All right. I like that. Uh, who do you think you'd have a better time with? Like, you, obviously, you can't play guitar 24 hours a day. You know, you, right. you could probably and would want to. But Boy. I would imagine that, like, you know, and, and to me, the question gets framed even more. Is it like you're on the road with them for a month? <laughs> right. Or are you, like, in right. studio with them for a month? Right. Or are you just hanging out around the house by, by the pool for a month? You know? I, I might still pick Ed. Yeah. In that in that scenario, in, you know, in studio setting with all his, you know, because I mean, that's a whole other level of communication and education. I mean, the right. learning how to play guitar is one thing, but from like a literal engineering and music perspective, Ed was a genius there also. So right. like learning amps and pedals and engineering of recording and being like if we're in his home EVH 5150 studio, like right. that place is unbelievable. But even like if we're out doing a road show with Van Halen, that would be pretty wicked, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, totally different type of environment than like the club scene that Stevie Ray would be playing, which would be fun also for different reasons. But yeah. like, it's a totally different environment in for both of them. And in every instance, like there's the, I, I feel like you'd be more, if you're hanging with Stevie, it's going to be way more of the, like, hey, I got two of us. We're going to just go hang out at this bar and shut the place down tonight, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. Like that kind of a that kind of a deal or close a small little club down and we'll just sit around and play guitars. But then with Ed, you're like, hey, we're going to go play at like MSG. Yeah. And then, you know, like stuff like that. Where it's just a totally different environment. Yeah, it's uh, – I think that's a pretty awesome – I mean – just thinking about it in different terms makes it more fun. You know, like if it's a straightforward yeah. question of like, would you play for a month? Right. That, that's one way. But when you start adding into the textures of, of what a question can be, it's like, it's pretty awesome to think about what that would have been like, you know, like yeah. what would road on, I mean, life on the road in those days of rock and roll, you know, and we talked a little bit about that before, like, uh, you know, just what it meant to be a rock superstar in the seventies versus now because the outlets were so few and far between i mean there were like you know three television channels five radio outlets and if you mm -hmm. were on those the whole world saw it you yeah. know so, I mean, exactly so, like that's a that's a dumbed down I, version but yeah i think I've, I, I've i know i've brought it up maybe to you i can't remember if it was on the, the show when we talked about ed before but like for perspective on how huge they were mm -hmm. like they were huge in the early days when Dave was there, but like their global kind of reach really peaked kind of in the late eighties around 90 when Sammy was yeah. in the band and there's, yep. And there was a, there's a video, a mu their music video for the song dreams. It yeah. starts as like all of these news broadcasts and it's jumping between like six to 10 different news broadcasts mm -hmm. talking about one day they decided they were going to just go start playing at the whiskey a go-go like the, the the club on sunset strip that they used to play when they were nobodies right like because that was where everybody played on sunset was at the whiskey and like all these other bars and stuff and one day in the middle of the day 
they announced, hey, Van Halen's going to be here tonight. Like tickets are sold at the door. And they're doing like these helicopter aerial shots of Sunset Strip. And it looks like uh, it's like a flood, like tens of thousands of people literally sprinting out of buildings, like across the street, like trying to run and get and like they're doing little clips of interviews. And it's showing the guys, they're like, we're just here to have a good time. Like, we don't even care if we get tickets. Everybody's here as Van Halen fans. And the guys are just like, this is awesome. And like, yeah. you know, they only had like 200 tickets available. And there's like 10,000 people standing in the street. And I'm like, yeah. that's a level of rock star that I don't know. I mean, there's pop stars now that are kind of like crazy huge and stuff. But I think even even then was even different than what it is now to some of those degrees. You know what I mean? Well, you think about a person like, uh, like even Elvis, you know, yeah. what kind of draw and magnitude of draw that, that, that man had from Hollywood to music. I mean, it was just insane. And yeah, so I, I don't know. It's like, um, if you got it, to, if you got to that level of stardom in that era, you know, the dollies, uh, Kenny Rogers, you know, that, that level of country stardom, I mean, and I'll just speak from my childhood, mm -hmm. um, you know, you were, you were everywhere. I mean, you were on Christmas specials on the Hallmark channel, you were in commercials and you were this and this and this. And it's like, it's, it's selected for so few people, you yeah. know, that level. And I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong because music reaches a lot more people, but I wonder just statistically if there's, if there are those unifying artists like there used to be i don't know that they're yeah wrong. yeah i would agree because and we've talked about it before where um i think it was it was when i sent you that because we send songs back and forth to each other all the time it was uh, like several months back and i sent you a song by faces mm -hmm. which was you know this rod stewart yep and my my comment with it was like this was pop music yeah. At one point. And that makes me furious <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> just because it's awesome. And that's yeah. not what pop music is anymore. Yeah. Like you think about what pop and pop, literally popular music throughout the seventies was what we consider classic rock. Yeah, for sure. You know, that, that was what everybody was listening to. Yep. And I'm like, that is just a bummer to me in this place now, but at the time like that was what everybody everybody oh, was cranking yeah. all that music all the time that'd been so fun yeah i found a couple instagram pages over the last few weeks um, one was like the stripped vocals or the stripped audio of just the yeah, vocals. yeah yeah that was one that i found and then um there's like one that's i can't remember the name of it because i just found it recently but it's like a deep track 70s like hits and dude they do a lot of disco shit and, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that disco's awesome, but I don't hate it. But, man, some yeah. of the beats that were generated through that area, era and, like, some of the sounds and, like, that's what I love about music. And that's actually what I like about disco is the experimentation of it. Like, yeah. where can we take this? And at some point it breaks. You know, the glass breaks right. at some point. But, you know, it's there were parts of it that were super cool. And this page just highlighted something that made me think how cool it was, you know. I think I saw a video um... – it was it was like a sit down conversation between Grohl and Pharrell, mm. 
and they're talking about like their influences and all this kind of stuff. And I can't remember the name of the group, but it was a disco group mm. from the seventies. That was like not huge, but if you knew disco, you knew who they were right. kind of a thing. Like they didn't have mass appeal and I can't remember the name and I'll find it and think of it later or whatever. But um, Dave was talking about like his drumming influences. And he says, if you listen to smells like team spirit, teen spirit, that beat that yeah. he's like, that's literally me just ripping off this drummer from this random seventies disco band and Pharrell immediately knew who they were obviously. Yeah. And he's like, Oh my God, I've never heard that until you just said that. That's crazy. Dave's like, that's all I did was rip off seventies disco drummers for all that stuff. Yeah. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, an ode to an artist is an ode to an artist. And I think that that's what it should be. Like it, you know, you probably have those Bowie esque artists that they're, they're standing on the shoulders of, generations before but they're probably two or three leaps beyond what the, the status is yeah but then there's the other kind like what you're talking about where it truly pays homage to the to the prior by just re recycling it in a way that fits current trends you know I, right. I, and again dave grohl was cool enough to say i ripped it off from this you know instead of being like oh yeah it just matched up because you know music is you know giving some bullshit answer that's when i think it's cool because it just tells you it's honest inspiration. You know, he, mm -hmm. he was in a place in his mind from a feeling when he heard that song. Like, think about how cool that is as a mind trip. You know, you hear something, it makes you feel something, it lets you create something. Like, yeah. to me, that's some pretty... I don't know. That's some stony shit right there, man. <laughs> what was the what was the second part of that question for you? Uh, so the second part of the question, I know we took went a little long on that one, but it's a fun one. Um, I'll keep this one pretty short. Uh, in reference to to jujitsu, mm. um, I was asked, would I rather have a one on one month of coaching with John Danaher or Gordon mm. Ryan? Oh. And uh, you know, if anybody doesn't know. That is pretty much the equivalent of the Yankees in baseball, the Patriots throughout the '90s, 2000s of football. Um, you know, it, it's it's really like that is the, the best coach, and that is his best athlete, and yeah. they just they win everything. It's so, like, do you want to learn basketball from Michael or from Phil? Yeah, well, and, like, that, <laughs> and that was really what I was going to put it down to because I thought yeah. about this one a lot because I've been an athlete at a high level and I've been in a coach at a high level. And I can tell you right now when I was strictly motivated to compete and drive myself, I was a good coach, but mm -hmm. I was unable to coach to the depth uh, that I was as a coach because I was singularly focused, like singularly mm, yeah. focused and maybe even to the point where I thought, you do as I do and you'll get what I get uh, sure. rather than the idea of like, man, what I was doing worked for a while, but then I broke. And then on the other side of that knowledge, it was like, everybody's different. Everybody has special needs. Everybody has, you know, particulars to them. And that my injury opened the door to my mind so that I could be a better coach. So with that being said, I think Gordon is probably the second best coach in the world. And I think that his information is still right up there with John's because it is so intertwined. Yeah. But again, John is a man who is more my age, been through knee injuries. Um, you know, he, he is at a stage of life and he has seen so many athletes and he has seen so many athletes with injury, whereas Gordon is a freight train and he is saying, this is what I do and it works. Yeah. So do it like I do. 
that those are two different mindsets. So for me, as the person I've been, as the coach I've been, as the athlete I've been, I'm going with John Danaher, but all the respect in the world to Gordon Ryan as the, the best of the best. I also wonder too, do you think there would be a different, you, you would probably say Danaher as well, if you're looking at it from a, I'm taking this lesson to learn how to be better at jujitsu versus learning how to be better at teaching jujitsu. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or, or am I trying to become a better coach out of this or just a better practitioner of it might even yield a different result well, too, or a different answer. You know, 22 year old me would probably say Gordon in a heartbeat. And again, <clears throat> yeah. for relative terms, I would have probably still been heavily competitive as a mindset. Um, and I would have related more to him as an individual and probably had yeah. some of that, that um, idol factor would have led me to, to go to him. Um, which I don't always think is the best, you know, it's like you, you have to still go with what makes the most sense and keep emotion out of it. But the thing about Danaher that's so intriguing to me is the depth of knowledge that he has about, about, about the theory of jujitsu, you know, about the concepts and the mm-hmm. histories and the applications. So again, I think, you know, Gordon is going to give you, yeah, just get on the mat, do this and fuck people up, which that's awesome. I get that, but I think you're going to get more of a poetry in the in the instruction from a John Danaher. Yeah. And again, no disrespect to Gordon, because as a as a athlete, I coach very much like I'm describing. I expect Gordon would. Was I was a coach, I was much more empathetic, much more understanding, much more relatable. Because when I coached as an athlete, it was like oh, you skipped what? Like <laughs> you're not even don't even let's just cancel this whole thing right now. Yeah. I don't want to work yeah. with somebody who skips workouts and, you know, and wrong. That's not right. But, um, cause not everybody wants the same things, even if they're saying they want the same things, you know? Yeah. So, but that's, that's where I would one. leave it. I would just, I would probably enjoy more from a theoretical standpoint, uh, Danaher's approach to it. That's a good one. Um, one that I got and I'll let you take this one first. Um, because I have to think about it for a second. How do you quiet all of the outside noise while being focused on your pursuits? Man, that would be, it's like I can dole the advice and it's hard for me to do it. And um, I think part of that is just how my brain operates. Like I have a very hyperactive brain. Um, If you notice probably in this segment or this uh, forum here, I will intertwine three to four different layers of conversation into one because I'm thinking about things Mm -hmm. in different ways. So for, for me, this is a real struggle. Like it is a really hard task for me to quiet my mind for a singular aim, you know, and I I have a lot of peripheral aim from a singular thought. So my mind kind of blooms things and it's, it's weird, but um, I have found that things like jujitsu Um, and archery specifically really do help me at least momentarily kind of, you know, to quote quote the cliche, quiet the mind. Mm -hmm. But when someone is attacking you, you only have so much information to draw on, you know, and you only have so many seconds to enact those thoughts and those, those movements. So for me, I can't be thinking about anything else. And you understand this too. Like, I I don't care if you owe, you know, they're coming to take your car and they're going to reap or they're going to foreclose on your house tomorrow. If you were on a mat wrestling, 
just the same as if you, somebody were to walk up and put a gun at your back and rob you. That same feeling comes over. Nothing else matters except that. Mm-hmm. And that is very much for archery too. Now you can get distracted in archery, but if you were in that, that kind of a uh, mindset where you, where you are focused on your draw, you're focused on your anchor, you're focused on your aim, and then you're focused on your release. It doesn't leave a lot of room to think about Johnny's soccer practice at 6 PM, you know? So I think those kinds of things are necessary for me because I tend to think about those things beyond that. And then that kind of hushes some of the distractionary stuff. Um, mm. You know, and, and it's weird, but like, I, w- I was talking about it to the, maybe it was you and I, or maybe it was Logan and I, but talking about how people are just tuning out because they're over digesting all this stuff. And I think I get pulled into that stuff too. Even things that I, yeah. don't, that I don't care about, you mm-hmm. know, I get drawn into it and I think about it. So those things kind of pull me back to a point where nothing else matters, but this right, this moment, um, you know, getting a rear naked choke or a good tight arm bar, and think about anything else, you know, it's, it's very to the moment. And I think that just, um, I think whichever direction my mind goes, it stays in for a while. So if I'm in that place where I have clarity and I have focus, the rest of my day tends to feel like that. So yeah, that's that was why, what I was going to ask if that actually from that moment carries on after that moment's over. Some days better than others, you know, yeah. and truly depending about around what's going on, that is, I think that's true of anyone. But for me, when I have a good day where I like leave exhausted, I'm soaking wet with sweat. I feel like I accomplished something on that front. Maybe I had a good role or got one thing done that I'd never done before. Man, you're not going to burst that bubble all day. And it, and it tends to be like the work rewards you keep, keep going. So what can you do next? What can you do next? What can you do next? And not just, not just to jujitsu, but everything else, because I saw a result in one thing it's mm-hmm. like, keep going. But on, mm-hmm. on days where it's sit there and you scroll the thing for 20 minutes, you see all the bad news, you hear a sad story or two, you start feeling sorry for yourself or the gym seems like forever away. You know, it's like you can stay in that mindset too. And I think yeah. for better or worse, if I, I admitted, um, and I admit it music freely, but I don't necessarily to my entire mood set. But I would say if I listen to sad songs, man, I can go down a dark hole and I am very much uh, influential of myself with what I do and how I spend my time. If I start something out early in the day that gives me focus, I'm pretty good all day. If I give myself time to be a turd and sit on the couch, like that's probably going to be more where I stay in that mode all day. So I like to get up and get going. And I'm similar in that regard because I was going to, my, my direct answer to the question is, a lot of times not well, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and how do I, you know, how do we quiet the noise? And a lot of times I don't do it well at all. And it's, you know, for the same reasons that you were saying that that direction of momentum goes very easily both ways. Mm-hmm. If it's stacking with positive things, then I'm more likely, even then I'm not even going to say I will be better for the rest of the day, but I'm more likely to oh, continue absolutely. that that pattern throughout the rest of the day than I would having started by just kind of being lazy and not getting around to things right away. And it's just the same. Like I can say, if I have those days where I'm slow to start and 
you know, I'm kind of maybe dragging my feet a bit and then I get caught up in reading like what's been going on and that gets me going down these, I'm just as likely to continue going down that road. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be stuck going that way all day long either. Right. So for, for me, like a couple of the things like art, archery for the same as me is definitely one of those ones, at least for a few minutes, I can, for the same reason, like get rid of everything just to focus. And then from there, like I know I have the ability I'm either going to continue this mm-hmm. or I'm going to go back and do the other thing. But I at least had this time yeah. to kind of clear everything out. And sometimes it, and, and I'm not even going to say that this thing, any example I'm giving works every time either. Right. Like sometimes I'll have a good, I'll go for a walk. I'll, you know, I'll walk the dog, maybe get a couple of things done and then I'll go shoot for 20 minutes or so. And then like it, the day doesn't go as well as I'd hope, but I at least had that chunk of time that I can hang my hat on for the day yeah. that, that felt good. Um, but archery does that for me playing music does that for me. Like if I can pick up a guitar, even for just 10 minutes and noodle around on something like that's one of those things where I can totally, and I've done it like uh, when I, and I have my acoustic setup, but then I also have like my, my electric setup that I run through my computer and play with all my sounds. And that's a whole other thing. Like if I can get started on that, I'll look at my clock on the top of the screen and be all right, I got 20 minutes. Like, let's just go. And I start messing with sounds and messing with things. And it's like, oh, this sounds cool. Let's, let's keep going down this. And all of a sudden, it's been like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. And like, I didn't even realize. And like, I'm okay sometimes with that happens unless it was like, I needed to actually get this done. I should have right. probably stopped. But, but those times, some of those days, that's actually a very welcomed delay in, in other things because I realized that those days, I probably needed that hour yeah. to kind of detach and go back into that. Then maybe I would have on other days. Well, to circle back to jiu-jitsu, that's something I've found very recently. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have morning class, and mm-hmm. we've got a really consistent group of guys. It's it's like six, seven people come usually, um, and everybody's in and around the same skill level, or we have strengths that apply and help the other in a way that they're weak, and they have strengths that help us in a way that we're weak. So we're a very complimentary group of, of players. And... Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about it is, is some of these guys work nights, so they can't make the night class. So they, the class wraps at 11, you know, they'll give themselves another 45 minutes to an hour to just sit and drill. And, you know, an hour of, of focused drilling, like really not like just trying to be the best in the world, like really understanding that you are a beginner and going at it from a very slow pace and putting pl- the pieces where they go a couple of weeks of that has given me so much more confidence, but it's like that hour that I was usually so glad that class was over. It was like, let's go, let's move on has given me the preparation to be like, no, what's this other hour going to give me? And man, the second hour is where I really feel that like, holy shit, my, like the stuff I was thinking mattered, doesn't matter. Mm. The stuff that was like stressful, doesn't feel stressful. And I think that is partly because one, you're reminded of how, you know, how fragile we really are. But then two, I think you really do get the perspective of like, man, if I can do that, if I can, if I can sustain that and I look at my life at 41 years and the shit I've been through, like, what is this little problem actually that's, that's annoying. Right. And then you have to call on something like the Dan John method, the shark method. You know, never touch something twice. Never think about something twice if you can resolve it on the first time. And, you know, that is a hard place to be. But I see people that exist like that. Like, 
Tim Glover calls them closers, you know, like people that are just dialed in. And it's like, it doesn't look like an asshole either. Like they're just so efficient. It looks amazing. Whereas some people like are the screaming bullhorn asshole trying to look like they're getting shit done. These people are just smooth. They're smooth operators, man. Like they just make decisions and go make decisions and go. I admire that. I am not that kind yeah. of person. Uh, I tend to think, overthink, rethink, forget, and then reimagine, <laughs> you know, yeah. but that's, but that's, you know, that's a gift and a curse too. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the best things in my life have come from the way my mind operates and some of my darkest days have come from the way my mind operates. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think that's, that's just part of the human experience. You know, some highs for people aren't as high and other lows aren't as low, but people have a spectrum. Yeah. You got another one? Yeah. Let me look here. Um, well, I got a, I got a light one. Uh, we can answer this one really, really quick. What yep. are your tattoos? And oh. yeah. Well, I have one. Yeah. I only got one, and they can't see it through my sweatshirt, obviously, but it's on the inside of my bicep. And it is a cross in the back, mm-hmm. and the front is the the Jesus fish symbol. Mm-hmm. And then the words uh the way, the truth, and life are across that, referencing the verse John 14, 6, where Jesus tells his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nice. And so uh it was one that's cool because I kind of sketched it out myself like the rough draft of it. Mm-hmm. And then I was in, I'm, you know what? I'm going to tell this story. Cause this is a funny story Go more than it. anything. Uh, I had, I was in college mm-hmm. and I was a junior in college. Molly and I had been dating two or three months okay. at this time. We had, again, we'd known each other prior to this for eight years and kind of dated a little bit prior to this, mm-hmm. but timing wasn't right but we'd been friends for almost a decade prior to this time we got together and we were um, her and one of her best friends was married to one of my best friends. And so the three of them were coming up to visit me in Montana one weekend uh, while I was at college. Mm. And the girls decided one night, they're like, they called me and they're like, Hey, we decided we want to go get a tattoo. Uh, like, do you want to get one with us? And like, I hadn't gotten one. I'd thought about it. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And, uh, they're like, well, we got, you know, they're coming up in two weeks. So like, okay, we'll get whatever you want. Go make the appointment that, you know, I was like, I'll find the place, a good guy to do it. I know a good, good guy already, um, that had, had done some friends work, went to him. Like I'm, I'm spending the two weeks, like, you know, this is my first one. So I'm like way overthinking it, you know, yeah. I'm like, what, what am I going to get? I'm like, I want it to be cool. I want it to be. And, uh, and so I'd like drawn this sketch out and, uh, I'd sent it to the guy and he's like, that's really cool. He's like, you know, can, do you mind if I just kind of tweak it around a little bit? And I'm like, dude, do your thing. Like, this was just the rough idea, you know, kind of what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. He's like, sweet. And then he sent it back to me. He's like, this is what I got. I'm like, looks great. So the day comes that we go to get it and they're driving into Montana and meeting me at the tattoo shop. Right. So like, we're not even doing anything else. Cause that's just happened to be when the appointment is. So I meet him there and we go in and as we're walking in together, all three of them, the two girls and Molly's friend's husband are like, we actually changed our minds. We're not going to get one today. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh <laughs> so I'm God. like, I'm like, well, I'm getting this one. Yeah. So you guys are going to sit here for however long it takes. And it was only like an hour, 15 minutes or whatever. Cause yeah. it's small. But I'm like, you guys are going to sit here while I get this. And I'm not talking to you for the rest of the day. Cause yeah. I'm ticked about this. And then it was just like this whole funny story. Like every time we bring up 
everybody wants to do a plan with the three of us or the four of us. I'm like, yeah, but I'll be the only one that actually shows up to do any of the planning stuff that we wanted to do. And so it was, uh, it was a hilarious story, but yeah, it's just the singular one. I've thought about doing more and I have designs that I think would be cool, but I'm just, not that I'm lazy about it, but I'm just like, if I get around to it, I'll get around to it. Like I'm not in any hurry to get a bunch of stuff done, you know, yeah. got to be the right thing. But you have, we could probably fill the next hour and yeah, a half with all of the things of, your, of that's yours. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I'll, I'll say a few things about them. Um, all of them have meaning. All of them have deep, significant meaning. Um, there are none that are just tattoos as far as like just a picture. So I relate. What to was them. the first? The first tattoo was uh, I was actually probably a little bit older than people would think for as heavily tattooed as I am, but I was 23 and um, I was very into lifting and I was kind of coming into my own at that point, you know, like as a, as a man, you know, graduating college, new job, kind of facing the world and whatnot. So for me, it was, uh, it was very much something that I wanted to aspire to be, but also I wanted to highlight characters of my characteristics of myself. So loyalty, strength, and the belief of freedom. And I talked to a tattoo artist and we came up with the idea uh, for strength would be the bullhorns and loyalty would be a lion and then freedom would be the wings. So it's just a creation of a lion's head. It's kind of a, it's, it was on my shoulder and it was crested from the side, wrapped all the way around to the front and met my trap. But uh, the wings spread that far, and then the lion's head is kind of centralized in the middle. And these, it's not really like a bull's horns necessarily, more like a centaur horns. They kind of come out and okay. curve, curve a little bit. Yep. Yep. Um, and then I actually went back and had that tattoo added to, uh, just had kind of like a nice border ring put around it that, that flowed and tied up three or four other tattoos that I'd gotten at that point. Um, I have a tattoo for Anthony Bourdain. That's one of my favorite tattoos. Matt Stasi did that out of Richmond, Kentucky. He, uh, we designed a compass rose and the North star point is actually a chef's knife. And oh, that's cool. And the idea behind that was, you know, I was a big fan of his Bourdain, but one of his biggest kind of mantras was like, follow your gut life and food. You know, you, you just follow your gut. So that chef's knife pointing North, kind of becomes the follow your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Shakespeare on my throat and uh, this is probably one of the more misunderstood ones of mine, but I'll leave it as it is. I'm not going to tell why, but uh, it says most offending soul alive. <laughs> and it's, it's very contrary to what it sounds like. It's actually, there's a lot of meaning to it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have one that, do you have one that is like your favorite or means the most? Man, you know, it's not, it's not the one, it's not one, it's a series of, of things. Uh, my red roses are all for people that I've lost. Uh, mm. Most significantly, I will tell this, uh, this tattoo up here was done by the Hells Angels uh, vice mm. president. And uh, it's got a big rose on the back of a skull and it's got uh, teeth of a beast and that I got that tattoo kind of as a transition point for myself as in, you know, I didn't kill myself literally, but figuratively, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted something to mark, you know, and that's why it's on my neck. Uh, it's a physical representation reminder that I was killing the things about myself that had become so destructive. And, um, for the most part, I've done a really good job at that. You know, I'm human. I've, I've made mistakes since, but, the direction of my life, the trajectory of my life and the outlook on my life has changed 
more than 180 degrees. I mean, it's, it's so yeah. much further than who I was. And, you know, I am proud of that tattoo. Believe it or not, a lot of people question, you know, having a neck tattoo. But as stupid as it sounds, like there were days when I would see that thing and it would be the reminder of like, no, this is, you're on a process now. This is, you got that to bury the other, mm. you know. But my yeah. red roses all signify people that I've lost or, and uh, I've got some years that are dedicated to red roses. So, yeah. um, those are, those are the meaningful ones. Um, you know, so do you even have any room left from yeah. like, without pushing into other ones? Like, do you have space left no, actually, for ones? Actually, I kind of liked, uh, so my dad's stepdad, he was a tailor mm. and he would, he was a cool dude. I think I talked about him before. He had thousands of jazz records, but, mm -hmm. um, he was really into, he was kind of like a Ripley's believe it or not guy. Like he was into the oddballs, the weirdos, the freaks kind of thing. And, um, he always had these collection of, uh, Yakuza, you know, mm. Japanese mafia with their tattoos and, you know, just had them in cool depictions around his shop. And, you know, he'd, they'd have magazines that he'd have laying around and they'd be open up to like different jailhouse tattoos. And then one of the books that I got was the Russian prison tattoos. So I started to, I didn't want like a, a hodgepodge of like seven, eight tattoos. I wanted my entire suit to tell a story. So all my tattoos connect. Um, I am covered from the neck to my, to my midline. And then on my back is covered. And then I have legs uh, from the knees down and I'm not in a rush to, to fill myself out just to fill the space. If I have meaningful things, if I have beautiful things or, um, uh, positive things. Most of my tattoos are tied to darkness and, and ugly, dark shit from my life. There's some, there's some good ones in there too, but I made a promise to myself after this one that my tattoos were going after the one on my neck, if you can't see mm -hmm. this. Um, but after that, they were all going to be from beautiful, positive experiences. Mm. Um, so, it, you know, I carry a little bit of weight in this armor with those old memories. So the new memories I'd like them to be, be a little lighter. Are you going to go higher up? Are you ever going to do face and head? Or are well, you... here's the technicality on that. My uh, my Shakespeare tattoo uh, that runs around on my neck actually eased up to my cheek, so I have a, mm. I have a little bit of a little bit of a crest on my cheek. So I do officially have my face tatted, but I don't foresee it anymore. Um, yeah. I actually thought at one time about getting a skull cap, you know, getting my entire head tattooed. That was different life, different time, different <laughs> modus operandi, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> you know, hundred dollar bills tattooed on my head, you know? Um, but that was, uh, I, I thought those look, I still think they look cool. I just, you know, from a tattoo perspective, I, I like that style and I especially appreciate if somebody can, can go to the head or the face and make it look cool. Not just look like you got gibberish all over yourself. Mm. Um, so for me, I was just more attracted to like, let's build a suit. And that came after having a few tattoos. Like I knew I wanted a sleeve. So that was like, I learned the process of like shaping out an entire piece for a, for a body part. And then it just became, okay, how can we connect this to the chest? How can we connect, connect this to the arm, the back, the neck? So you know, I'm pretty well kitted out if I never get another one, but I've already got one planned. Um, I've got a few more that I would probably, you know, revert back to having planned them years ago with my brother, my, my buddy Silky. He's done a lot of my tattoos. Uh, Rob Gilkey out of Richmond, Kentucky. 
uh, he and Matt worked in a shop together for years and, uh, it actually burned down. It was big fish and Matt's still water tattoo and Rob's been bouncing around a little bit, but anybody that might be local, uh, or wanted to travel, I mean, it's, it's a great spot. So awesome. You're that was a good one. Yep. Um, let's see. Oh, this would be, I mean, maybe not a quick one, but it's a quick question. Okay. Um, more, a little bit practical here. Looking for advice, need some new, uh, some new food and nutrition ideas for busy schedule on the road type of situation. So things that can, things that can be mobile easily and still be hitting goals nutritionally with. Well, uh, you know, that's, it's actually funny because right before we talked, I talked about one of the, or we've started the recording. I talked to you about one of these. I posted one yesterday. Um, and this ties into a question of mine. So we'll just kind of loop them together. It says, yeah. I see you're on a diet or it seems so. What's the current goal? How do you go about building? Oh, th- uh, that's the only part I'll ask because it was a two part question. Yeah. Uh, the first yeah. part, I see you're on a diet or it seems so. What's the current goal? So start of the year, I was 240, 245. Uh, as of today, I'm 220.8 and that has been intentional. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be 245. I actually have an objective goal of 235. So that gives me the swing from 220 to 245. And each time that I go up and come down go up and come down, uh, when I hit the goal weight of like 232 to 235, I get better at that weight. So right now, being about 220 pounds, I'm at the point where I'm going to stop and reverse and start gaining weight, but very methodically and slowly and try to keep myself in a similar condition, but add back some of the muscle mass that was lost. But to answer the direct question uh, about what I am using, this stuff right here, um, if you can see it, it's the Jocko, I don't know how you say it, milk, malt, whatever. Milk. (laughs) Milk. Good. You say this, this is good just say good but uh (laughs) it's the protein cookie and it's 210 calories per cookie 14 grams of fat 17 grams of carbohydrates 14 grams of protein just a very very balanced uh cookie this is not something i would say just keep in your truck because if you do you'll eat them um keep it more as like a dessert or a snack when you really, really need something. But that's been a big one. The Oikos yogurts with the high protein, 15 gram and 20 gram proteins cannot beat those. Um, nothing will ever, ever beat uh, just taking whey protein and uh, like yogurt. What kind do you like? What kind, what kind do you generally so like anymore? Do you have I, one that you enjoy more? I, I do. And this is God's honest truth. I've used first form. Now they reached out to me, I guess around 2018 uh, and every other fucking company, except I will say Eric Thomas at NFP gear out of, uh, out of Minnesota. Fantastic dude. We've, we've stayed cool. We've been really, really tight. Um, But every other company product, whatever that I was associated with in powerlifting, you know, once you're not the flavor of the week, you're done. But first form reached out to me because I was doing some challenges for myself. I've done a marathon, done a hundred thousand meter row. And they were like, hey, man, if we can support you in any way, we'd love to. And I just said, man, I just need some protein. Like, that's it. So a few times a year, I hit them up and I'm like, I'm doing something crazy. You know, I need some protein. And they're like, awesome. Just tell your story about it. Talk about it. And we're all good. So shout out to First Form for that. And Drew over there is always, always, always taking care of me, looked out for me and gone above and beyond. But I've religiously used that product one, because they believed in me when I was not at my best. 
and I've used it and it's been great. And, you know, I don't try to abuse the relationship. I'm not paid. I'm not, you know, anything like that. Uh, it just, it worked out that we mutually beneficial and it's been awesome, but I, I would highly, highly recommend it versus other top line stuff that I've liked and has been really good. I don't think you will find, you know, in, in a mass supplement market, now maybe some specialized protein or something like that. Sure. But for a mass production protein, I think first form is going to always fly in the highest flag. So, yeah. Do you still do, um, like the collagen protein and yeah, coffee stuff buds. too? Cause that's usually, that's usually an easy way to get some extra, some extra protein. Yeah. I actually, uh, I actually just got some more of that as well. Um, I, I really like it. It's simple. It's effective. It's, I think, you know, to sound much like a woman, uh, I've noticed things <laughs> like about my skin have, have started yeah. to, to be clear and, and like, I don't know. I've just noticed things in on that front that could be some of the weight loss too, but it, it was before I was losing the weight too. You know, I just sure. started to feel a little better about things. And then, uh, I just think it's effective. You know, um, I, I really like yeah. that stuff. I think all those are, are especially, um, helpful because I know, you know, who asked is a buddy of mine, um, works essentially out of his truck all day. So it's not something where bringing, I mean, he obviously still does bring food, but having a situation where you've got to heat up a bunch of stuff yeah. throughout the day isn't super helpful right. because he literally, I mean, he's in, he's in farming and agriculture. So he's in his truck 10 hours a day, hopping from field to field. Like they're not going to have, I don't have a microwave in the truck yeah. that I can heat everything up. So having options that are like kind of shelf stable type mm -hmm. options yep. that can get good sources of nutrients are good too. I was going to, you know, I was going to say pretty much all the same thing. So I don't really have much else Beef jerky. Um, That's to add. One. Yeah. Easy stuff like that, and that then, can travel well. The one thing that I will tell you is save my butt a lot, especially on this last, last, last go round of losing 20 pounds. Um, I still try to enjoy myself. You know, I still allow myself a few days a week to, you know, have some beers, have some whiskey, eat some good food, you know, like yeah. when, when you, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to train for a perfect aesthetic, like for bodybuilding or something. I'm trying to yeah. train for a body that can do whatever the hell I ask it to, to, and, and with that, the byproduct is your body starts to transform and look better. And as it performs better, it will look better. And, you know, so my goals aren't necessarily aesthetic. They're more performance-based, but, you know, I am very, very conscious of trying to maintain a visible health as long as I yeah. can, too. Because, it, again, some people look like pictures of health, and they're not, but I know what I'm putting into my body. I know what I'm ingesting as far as food. I have a good TRT program. You know, I'm putting aloe vera on my skin. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing all the Look essentials. At Look at you. Look at you. You're just a walking spa. I'm a, exactly. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm trying to get on, uh, I'm trying to get some uh, kind of sponsorships in the health and beauty space. You know what I mean? In the men's you know, the health and beauty boxes space. Boxes of lotions and. <laughs> Puts the lotions in the box. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, we're at, four, so we're at 45 minutes right now. Mm -hmm. I have one that's a little bit longer mm -hmm. that might close us out okay. today so before we get to that were there any like other like quick fire type ones that could be like just quick one to two sentence things <sighs> man that you had or are we good on all of that for today you know i think and we'll do more of these yeah, this isn't the last I, q a we're ever gonna i think do, there's so. a couple of them um 
I will say this. This is, this is a difficult, complex question, but I will give you a very straightforward answer. And mm. I, I think you can do the same too. As a younger man, I'm trying to find a wife, a good woman. I'm extremely disappointed with the quote-unquote norms I experience when I try to date. How do you find a good woman in a constant state of hookup culture? Well, I would say this. Don't stick your dick in front of the one that you don't want to be with and keep looking. And she's out there. That's as simple yeah. as I can make it. Don't yep. make a mess of a situation that you have no investment in. And then beyond mm -hmm. that, don't hurt people just because you can. And keep looking. And yeah. at the first sign of like knowing that it's off, move on. Don't, don't invest more hooks in them. Don't get more hooks in you. I mean, you have to stand up for yourself. You know, yep. they're out there. You'll find them. If you're a good person, good people are looking to. And, and I feel like I've never really had good dating advice because I have. You fucking back been, a thousand. You nailed it, dude. Back a thousand. You, you probably ought to give relationship <laughs> advice, bro. Um, Closer. The, uh, the thing I would say, uh, having seen kind of what, he, what he's talking about, um, with a lot of friends that are in similar positions, like just like it's kind of just discouraging. Mm, yeah. What you're looking for doesn't hang around the scenes that hookup culture is hanging around in. Word so up. trying to trying to partake in it and then find something that doesn't be, belong there anyways is like kind of a I mean, you might get lucky, but the chances of you finding the person stock. who. Exactly. You might find. Like, listen, you might find the woman of your dreams there, but by the by the parameters he was setting out, I assume he's yeah. just talking about somebody with a certain standard for self. Not not going to be around a lot of those places that right. you would consider hook up, hook up culture, right? right. So maybe try some different avenues yeah. of you know. Uh, but yeah, so that can be a pretty short Super one too. Simple. So, um, so this one that. Uh, uh, might take us a little bit of time to flesh out here, um, or it might not. Could could go pretty quickly too. But we have a a, a mutual acquaintance, I guess, through uh, Instagram, um, Hunter Holbrook. Yep. And I don't know if he messaged you this, but it was kind of a cool message to get. He found out recently that uh, he's expecting a child mm. first, and so it was kind of like a you know a general first time dad advice kind of question. But I'll word it how how he wrote it. I'll read it, how he wrote it out. Um, recently found out I'll be a father come November. It's a little bit of ways away still. So I'm still active, actively building myself to who I want to be. So this is a curveball, but a very welcome curveball. Mainly I need advice on all of this, but the one question in my mind is how can I give my child love and care on a high level while continuing to instill strength in them? And then in other words, how can I make them resilient people without the same trauma that presented my resiliency mm. you know yeah so a, there's a there's several different kind of avenues to approach this if we're going to tackle every little angle of it um and i'll give you a minute because i thought of you know kind of in this first section of it talking about you know how can i give my child love and care on a high level and you know, I, I were and what's cool is me and you are at different levels, stages mm. of being dads, 
right? Yeah. Like yours is more grown teenager, like more mine's my oldest is almost four. Right. So like we're way different stages and you've already done a lot of this. Um, but my, we can expand on this. My like probably only single piece of advice for like, how can I instill or give my child like love, right? Just like be there, mm. you know, like it, especially in these, in these times, like right now, because they're not going to know any different, you know, like being around and being, you know, being present's kind of, it all means the same thing, but like, that's how young kids interpret what a lot of times love means, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Hey, yo, pops is around. That's a lot of what that means. And then like, you know, as they get older, you start teaching things as they begin to conceptualize lessons and, and do that kind of stuff. But, um, I mean, you can spin off of that because I, I'm curious, like how at 15 or 16, however old, uh, however old your boy is now, like how he would then interpret, like, how does my dad, how do I know my dad loves me as my dad? You know what I mean? Like well, it's a, yeah. uh, bunch of different could be a bunch of different things uh, i mean i wish i could give you a a real happy answer uh for myself um you know i spent years uh away from my son and you know i was i lived a few hours away i made tons of effort to see him but the damage and i don't and my heart is beating through my chest even thinking about this stuff you know like um you know, it's such a precious thing, a child. And my world somewhat blew apart shortly after he was born. Like, could not have imagined a more perfect child, honestly. And loved him so much. And then when I lost my job and my family fell apart and I started pursuing powerlifting, you know, it was it was like the way I the way I reconciled it within myself is I kept telling myself, I'm doing all this for him. I'm doing all this for him. And man, I don't know if that was me being a completely narcissistic asshole and using Mm -hmm. him as a mask for my selfishness is like, you know, or if I was just truly at a point in my life where I, you know, I was so far gone on so many levels, like, like I think I told you before, I did every single thing I knew how to do by the book and it fucked up, you know? Mm. So I'm going to do everything I feel from a level of like my moral good, my moral have to, you know, and that drive, whether it was for powerlifting or man, I got to go across country for a seminar or do this or this or this. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of concern for me just to, uh, to get it better. And what that kept becoming was chasing more. And when I would see him, I would feel so good. I would feel so happy. And then I would feel like, I don't know how to, to be what he needs because, Mm. you know, I wasn't there every day. I wasn't the influential figure in helping him ride a bike or, you know, and when I say these things, dude, I feel about as low as a human can feel, you know, like I I feel disgusted with myself because I should have 
I should have chosen better and I should have allowed myself to go through the process slower. You know, mm. I wanted it all right now. And that's why I'm so against it. Like this, this right here is entirely my warning to people. You got one shot, you know, and I'm sorry, like, I'm, yeah. but it's important uh, to know that they're so resilient, you know, they're so resilient. And if you haven't shown up and you start showing up, um, it matters. I think yeah. my son's opinion of me is much higher in this regard than mine of myself. And again, I think that's partly credited to his, you know, who he is yeah, and the conversations that we've had and the apologies that have been made. Um, I'm sure that many of the apologies have rang hollow and, uh, the thing about that is I know I was always trying. Yeah. Like I know that I know I was always trying and every single mm -hmm. thing that I did as misaligned as it may look from the outside, I was just doing the best I could, you know, like I was, I did things that I regret and will regret for the rest of my life, you know, cause I hurt people and, um, I hurt my kid. I hurt myself and, so to Hunter or to anyone listening to this, I would just challenge you to think whether you planned for this or you didn't, you are on the cusp of a miracle, an absolute miracle. Hmm. A child is such an impossibility. Like it is such an impossibility. If you really think hmm. about it, you look at the stars, you look at the leaves on a tree, you look at anything. And you have the ability to make something like that. Don't ever, ever get to a place where you don't always come back to that. Hmm. You know, like at the end of every day, that should be your thought is, did I live today for that kid? Hmm. And go one step further than I did, because that was the question I asked. And I thought I was doing it. Did I do the things that honor my kid that mm. I do the things that I would want him to do as a man. And those I fell short on. So I think keeping perspective on where you are, the opportunity that you have, yeah. dude, I'm telling you, like people talk about losing kids and this kind of stuff. And I get train wrecked over it. Like I think about how much, I mean, I feel like I lost a kid in many ways because of the time lost, like he's still here and I still have great memories, great times with him. But in a sense, you know, a big portion of his life, I was hit or miss. Yeah. And, uh, man, that's, that's a fucking child's life. You know, somebody that, that loved their kid, wanted their kid was there every single second with their kid doing everything they could. And they lost them for no reason. And here I am being a jack wagon, chasing a sport that doesn't even fucking matter. Um, thinking that I was going to change his world by changing the world. You know, I could have changed his world working at fucking Walmart. So I think there's a, there's a lesson in that. Hmm. If you want to be a man, if you want to be a real good dad, I don't care what you do in this life. And I don't care what another motherfucker thinks of you. If that kid looks at you with respect and that kid looks at you with love and you can look back and say, I did the best I could, and it was in their presence, there's nothing better than that.
Amen, man. And he knows, and you know, I think like you said, he, he knows that, you know, like you said, in recent years, he see like everything he, you were doing, he saw and he knew the, the intention of it too. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and that's, and I, and that matters a lot in terms of perception. Like he, I think he understood that too, cause he understood intention. Yeah. And I think too, um, as I mentioned before, you know, I had a, a strained relationship with my dad. If you were to parallel the stories of my dad and I and my son and I, my dad was home every night, but right. it was for glimpses of every day. You know, it was moments. It wasn't beneficial time. So I've got that. That's what disappoints me the most is sure. I, as I remember as a kid, what it felt like. And I put my own kid through that thinking I was doing mm. something else. You know, that's when you dwindle it all down, that's what it is. Yeah. So, um, but I just remember, like, I, I don't even know what I said. I got off track. But, you know, um, mm-hmm. as of now, I mean, I think our relationship, like any parent of a 16-year-old would, would tell you if they're honest, your relationship could be better. I think ours is leaps and bounds and miles and, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you could put a point of, of healing on a, on a relationship, I would say we're, we're very, very far into that process. Do I think he's forgotten anything? No. Do I think he should? Yeah. No. Are there conversations we'll still have to have? Absolutely. But he's man enough to ask him. I'm man enough to answer him. And yeah. that's a, that's a point that I've tried to get to because it took me and my dad 25 years to get to that point. Yeah. You know, so if I can get there at 16 mm-hmm. with my kid, with a similar experience as my dad, maybe I picked up eight years on my old man and that's to his credit. That's to my dad's credit, you know, because he showed me and helped me. So, you know, I don't know if there's any fucking advice in that at all, except, you know, I, I tried and failed. Like I tried and failed, but I wasn't conscious of him. I was looking at the Mm. world through my eyes instead of looking at him and seeing what the world could be through his eyes. And, mm. you know, that's, that just makes me a selfish bastard. And, you know, that's, that's who I was. So again, that's part of the test. Was being, was being the keyword. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. That's part mm. of, that's part of the tattoo on my neck. That's part of, mm-hmm. you know, putting myself above anything else. Like this life is a lot bigger than me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I do. I think that's a pretty good place to clip it for today, man. We're going to do probably another one of these fairly, fairly soon, because I know we wanted to kind of do a bigger, um, a longer Q and a, maybe get into some more stuff. Um, and you know, leave it to us to plan a Q and a thing and ask for questions 19 hours before we decide to go live with it. So if that's the case, we'll probably plan a little bit farther out for the next one. So there's more time to accumulate some thoughts and let people have a chance to see the post that says, Hey, drop your questions. Um, but I'm glad we got the ones that we did that went some, some good, good and helpful places for us as well. You know what I mean? (laughs) So thank you guys for taking time to listen for 
like being a part of this whole thing and then taking time also to, like we said before, give us input, ask questions. Cause it's nice to know. I mean, me and you would have these conversations anyways, right. but it's nice to know that if somebody's listening, maybe they can take something away as well. And that just adds a little bit more extra to it, you know? Yep. Absolutely. So, all right, guys, Thank we'll you catch you all much. soon. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great-